ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. I reckon um, Kate's still hung over here from St. Paddy's Day. Uh, <laughs> muck around with the audio levels there. Um, Kate, what are we doing here? Midstream. Midstream, come on. That's right. Um, we are here, in your ear holes, ready to recap, review the 2022 AFLW Cats season. Uh, how are you, chaps? Are. First off, off the top, how are we doing? Pretty good. 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 Yes. Good. Excited. <laughs> another good. pod. Another, another pod. day, another pod. <laughs> That's the exact like wording John and I just full-time used. Full-time job. That's right. Full-time the, volunteer the best position. Kind. The best That's kind. Right. That doesn't pay. Absolutely. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um uh, it's um, maybe fitting then that we're talking about the AFLW who also <laughs> aren't paid correctly for their work. Um, yes, exactly. Zing. <laughs> Zinger. Um, pay the players properly, folks. Um, all right. So that's what today's episode's all about. 2022 season review. Don't know how this is going to work out, you know, um, uh, chronologically when they do a second 2022 season, if that happens, it'll be like the 2022A um, season. But what we've got for you today, we're going to break it all down, everything that went on uh, from our perspective in the 2022 AFLW season for the Catters. Um, just as a reminder, off the top, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, blah, blah, blah. You know that because you're listening. But follow us, please. If you listen, go and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Watch and subscribe on our YouTube channel. Uh, later in the show, we're going to be starting uh, the Wheel of Grades. We did this for the 2021 men's season. We're going to do it from here on out for every season we cover. And so we're going to begin our AFLW 2022 Wheel of Grades, where we go through every player um, that played games for the Cats in 2022. We'll give them a letter grade from F to A+. Uh, and that will be a video segment uh, every week. We might do Wheel of Grades Wednesdays from, from here on out. So make sure you're subscribed on YouTube. Hit the bell so you know when the video goes live, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah, um, hit the subscribe, hit the, the bell so you get all the no notifications. Right. Because that's how we make the money that we don't get. Right. <laughs> I feel like there's a thing. <laughs> if we make money. Episode. There's a general like dissatisfaction maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Like if, No, 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 no dissatisfaction at all. Good. We love that's doing good. this, and it's good fun. John well, still sounds like he's been sarcastic. It's just your morning voice. We don't normally record yes. in the morning, and all our demons are coming out. We, we haven't Absolutely. had time to put our put our makeup on, now, our uh, our verbal filters on to stop ourselves revealing the truth. Sam's getting emotional again there, just a little bit, just a little bit emotional. Just, um, just but... a little bit emotional. <laughs> All right, we're going to start with... I do with... not know why my fucking internet's struggling. We're going to hit Struggle Town. This one's season review, live from Struggle Town. That's what this one's called. Yeah. All right, so I'll recap the results for you um, for anyone who's been living under a rock or for anyone who doesn't remember how the season played out. So week one, the Cats lost 26-18 to 18 to the Kangaroos, and there was a general sort of feeling of, oh, we've got a bit of a spring in our step here. Um, it's a different looking Cats team 
and we'll see how we go from here on out. So that's how week one started, 26 to 18 loss, 31 to 17 loss to the Blues the following week. A little bit more uh, dispiriting in the sense that the Blues were able to control the footy a lot on us, and there was a bit of a learning curve for us about how to apply pressure uh, when a team is able to spread the ball easily by foot. Following week, a 35-24 loss to an experienced Magpies team. Another good effort from the team, but again on the end of an L to move to 0-3. And, and then a two-point loss, 27-25 to uh, loss to the Brisbane Lions, the reigning premiers up in Queensland. Chloe Shear kicking late goals to almost cause a massive boil over. Ugh, kill me. I hate using the word boil over and I just used it. A massive boil over, mate. Um, so almost a win Damn. over the Lions. Um, so that went to 0-4 and you felt like this isn't right. This team is much improved and yet we find ourselves four losses from four games. Week five, all of that changed. Uh, a last gasp win uh, via the boot of Chloe Shear, who stole in between a couple of West Coast defenders to kick a match winner. Only moments after the Cats had surrendered the lead, uh, the Eagles defeated 27-24 to to put the Cats on the board to be 1-4 and four halfway through the season. And there was sort of a bit of an expectation maybe we'll build from here. Unfortunately... That followed up with a 38-49 to 49 loss to the Suns, a game in which I believe from memory the Cats took sort of an early lead before just being overrun by the Suns, then getting some scores late to bring themselves back into a more respectable scoreline. So that pretty much put paid to any finals aspirations for the Cats after six weeks of competition. The following week, feel like it was a bit of an emotional letdown against the Bulldogs. The Cats lost 16-28. to 28. The air had sort of gone out of the balloon a bit um, after the week five win against the Eagles. That moved the girls to one and six. Um, kill me. I hate using the word girls sometimes to describe the players for some reason that will always feel condescending to me. Um, so kill me twice. Um, week eight, the Cats got a win. A magnificent win. 33 to 10 over the Tigers. Perhaps their most complete performance of the season uh, to go to two and six, so their second win of the year. Would have hoped to follow it up in week nine against the Saints. Johnny Larkin travelled down in Arctic conditions to see this game, um, and the Cats could only manage the nine behinds, losing to the Saints nine to eighteen, despite mounting a pretty convincing last quarter um, charge. Just couldn't find the the big sticks. Week ten down at Cadinia Park against the Giants and Cora Staunton. Um, Staunton couldn't be stopped. The Cats put up a respectable 35 points, including the opening two goals of the competition uh, of the contest. Um, Becky Webster, the third fastest goal in AFLW history. Um, the Cats go down 35 to 53. They end the season two and eight. You chop it up into a season of two halves. They went one and four in the first half of the season. They went one and four in the second half of the season. Um, but Chaps, they doubled their win tally in 2022 from 2021. And there was a lot to like, I think, from my point of view. But what about from your points of view? Where are you at about the 2022 season? Uh, Johnny, I'll go to you first. Just your general thoughts and takeaways. Yeah, pretty, pretty happy with the season. Overall, um, a lot of improvement from all the 
all the um, cats there, which is really good to see. Um, they all seem to step up in every facet of the game. And the new players coming in, like Fisparkus, um, Featherston, Anna Maloney as well. Although she's not a new cat, she's been a couple of years now, but yeah. they all seem to fit in really well. And you have to play that, the type of game the cats seem to be wanting, be wanting to play, which is really pleasing to see. Um, and yeah, it was just, would have liked a few, couple more wins. I feel like they should have got two, at least two more wins out of this season, especially against the Saints and the, the Lions, but sometimes it just doesn't go your way. So next season, which may be this year, hopefully we can double the wins yet again, which I think I think that we will be possible because if they get the same amount of improvement they did this year into next season, then it'll be really good to, you know, they'll get a, give themselves every chance to win at least four games. So fingers crossed there. So overall, pretty happy with it, but still more room for improvement from the women at the Cattery. Absolutely. What about you, Sambo? What are your sort of takeaways from the season from a bird's eye view? Uh, yeah, well, if my internet's holding up, which I it don't know until yeah. I see how late you guys are nodding to what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way I can analyze it here. Uh, yeah, no, I, I sort of concur with everything John said. It was, um, you know, it, large improvements all around the ground, um, you know, seemed to be some good change-ups on and off the field. Um, so, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of good takeaways. I think, I, I think overall uh, the players might be a little bit underwhelmed with the results on the board for all their effort. Um, but the, the good news is that it looks like it does, it's not going to take much to, as John said, you know, possibly now turn all this all this individual improvement into uh real um real improvement on the on the ladder and on the scoreboard so yeah it's not it's not going to take much it's really just that um by the end of the season it really felt like their only issues were consistency uh and that structure ahead of the ball was uh which they started to show signs of so um two major things to work on is not is not that bad for a, for a team that's, you know, that's already improved so much, you know, they've, they've come so close. So no, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about the season overall. Um, uh, yeah. And excited for the next one. Do you think it'd be, um, like unanimous to say what our worst game, best game was like, if we just go quick fire here and then we'll discuss, um, Johnny, give us your worst game, best game. Our worst game would be against the Saints, and the best game would be against Richmond. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Worst game against the Saints, best game against Richmond. <laughs> um, yeah, the, I, the, I think the best is... game I think was easy. The worst game was a little harder because it's one, it's hard to be negative, but also there were there were a couple of games that I guess were a little disappointing on on, on different reasons. There was games where we had the output and just didn't get the result, but then there was games where we sort of where the output was down, which to me is a little bit more disappointing than, than trying your best and not getting the result. Yeah, sure. No, absolutely. Um, and like, from my perspective, I would have named the exact same too. Um, it would have okay. been, uh, yeah, the win over the Tigers, which was the most complete team performance. Um, no fade out, even though um, the Tigers... Uh, sort of held us in the second half, but we held them as well. Um, and then the Saints lost, yeah. Dis a, a disappointing art to follow up. 
what was such mm. a resounding team performance with that nine to eighteen loss. I think that'll be a there's great learning moments from this season, you know, from those losses. Um and I guess that's what I'll I'll launch into from here. You know, the lot the win against the Eagles was followed by a, a, a relatively disappointing loss to the Suns. Um the win against the Tigers, which was you know amazing like what a win for for the team um just dominating at all levels and then to only put up the nine points um the next week to lose nine to 18 to the saints uh, again you know disappointing it, it it's one of those things isn't it with a young side like there's lots of learning to be done and i feel like there'll be massive moments to come away from with this season uh for for the team Lots of learning moments that they'll gladly take, I reckon, and um, mm. use over the off-season to really build for the upcoming season. And sometimes you've got to suffer through hard games um, when you don't play well as you would have liked. And I think that's what happened in the Saints game. They all mm. didn't play as well as they would have wanted to, and I think they'll look back on that game and analyse it pretty closely. And see what they can do to improve from that um, from that game. Yeah, I th- one of the things we took away, Sambo, from that game was the fact that they were able to like it was obvious early on. Like as soon as they got it there, it it wasn't on. Like they were they were mm. speaking of struggle town, like they were in struggle town. Um, but something we liked was the fact that they were able to sort of try and keep their nose to the grindstone and keep working their way through the problem, trying to find solutions. How much did you like or, or take away from the fact for Geelong this year that for an inexperienced team, they never dropped their heads all season? Yeah. I mean, that's, um, you know, that's, that's phase one, you know I mean? That's, that's the thing you've got to have. You can't, you can't improve. You can't, um, you can't keep up if you, if you do let that happen. So I think that's really good. I think, I think, I guess we did see early in the year what you might class as a, as a bit of a drop of the head. Mm. Um, You might class as that from, from players that just wanted a bit more that weren't happy with their output. And I think that's different to, to dropping your head and being defeated, but, you know, taking a moment to acknowledge that you're not where you're at um, is, you know, cause you don't want to be, you know, dancing around with your head in the clouds just thinking who cares when let's not get our heads down that's you know it's all good mm-hmm. um so i think yeah it was it was a good level of um of facing reality i guess from the from the players particularly players like becky webster that um that weren't afraid i guess to get down the dumps a little bit and go this isn't good enough i can do i can do better and you could see those shifts and changes and and acknowledgments happen uh, and I think that's the sign of, you know, a, a, a professional athlete and someone that, you know, is just going to keep getting better and better. And I think that goes for the whole side. So, um, yeah, they're, they're sort of never, never say die attitude coupled with kind of a, a good dose of, um, of facing reality, I think is a, is a really good combination for improvement going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, totally agree with that. 
Um, all right. So let's have a look then uh, at, at some of the, the key statistical contributors. Amy McDonald led the way, 210 disposals. Um, Becky Webster with 168. Georgie Prasparkas in year one with the Cats, 133. Um, so good years from uh, a resurgent sort of midfield unit. Um, you had Maddie McMahon lead the way with 38 marks, which was, you know, absolutely massive. Phoebe McWilliams had 23 in second spot and Meg McDonald with 20. Um, tackles, big ones here. This, this was the big difference, wasn't it, lads? 81 tackles for Amy McDonald, 63 for Becky Webster, 68 for Prasparkas. Uh, 47 for Nina Morrison, who only played in the eight games. So give her another two games worth. She she would have crossed that 50, if not the 60 tackle mark as well. Um, you had 39 tackles from Julia Crockett-Grills, 36 from Maloney, 35 from Chantal Emanson, 34 for Rach Kearns. So last year, this was a massive issue, was was, was the amount of pressure the Cats could lay, you know, outside of your, your Amy McDonald's. Um, there wasn't a lot of support. How good was it to see the follow-on from the off-season quotes of we're going to work on our pressure, we're going to bring an increased energy. How good was it to see that actually take place on the field? Pretty good. Pretty fantastic to see that they uh, backed up everything that they said they were going to do. And I'm excited to see what they're going to say this off-season and what they want to work on and see them do exactly the same thing I did with the pressure acts. And, you know, if, as soon as you've proven that you can do one thing in one season and then, then the head coach goes back and says, look, this is what we said we're going to do this year. This is what we did. What can we improve on for next season? And let's work on that really hard because, you know, if you put the hard work in, it pays off. So yeah, it'd be interesting to see what they, they want to do off in the off season and work on. and. Hopefully it works out just as well as that those pressure and tackles did because it was a really um, excellent improvement in that area. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's have a look then at our off-season acquisitions. So we had, you know, players like Annabelle Johnson, Gabby Featherston, uh, Liv Fuller, Rach Kearns, um, Chloe Shear, uh, Zali Friswell, Chantal Emanson. Um, I'm sure I'm going to forget a name and then I'm going to feel horrible. Oh, Georgie Prasparkas as well. Um, lots of players added into the mix. Claudia. Claudia Gunjaka. Thank you, Johnny. Um, so for you guys, go to you, Sam, first. Who was your best off-season acquisition, whether it was through trade or draft um oh, it's such a such a tough call because i mean are we talk are we talking like for for literal impact on the game or are we talking for potential or you know like it's impact this or are we season. just talking impact this season i'd have i think you'd have to go prosparkus surely mm -hmm. um <laughs> the only the only there's other players who i might choose just from you know um personal bias of like style of player and potential and that kind of thing. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of Friswell. I think the fact that she was dropped is one of my biggest disappointments this season. Mm. Um, uh, but the only one I think that had maybe a comparable impact would be 
Emerson. Um, but I'm gonna yeah, I've, I've got to say Prisparkas. I think her consistency was probably her only real issue. That I think her her drive, her um, her her vision at, and her hunger for it, like her her will to stamp her impact and her claim on the game never dropped like that was always what she had was that was that spark and so sometimes sometimes it didn't always come off sometimes the you know the 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 fundamentals weren't a hundred percent up to where that drive was sometimes you know the um the the intention was there and just not quite the not quite the delivery but that was really the only downside and that and that's the kind of thing that will just without a doubt come very quickly with a little bit of time and a little bit more experience so i think she was you know really impressive and going to turn into a a really really deadly and a really dominant player in um in a very short time frame what about you johnny absolutely yeah i can't disagree with sam there i was i was going to pick the sparkers and then Emerson as well as the top two biggest um, acquisitions this year. So I disagree with Sam. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I think j- just to to do something different, I'll, I'll make Emerson my my number one. Yep. Just in terms of being able to free up Meg McDonald, um, brought an experience and, and and a willingness to work. Um, to earn a position, to earn the respect of her teammates, to work her way into the leadership group after she was sort of like an afterthought as part of the trade that involved sending, you know, Olivia Purcell um, to Melbourne to to suddenly feature so heavily um, to play every game and, and play well in every game. Uh, and that was the feedback we got from some, some listeners as well um, via Twitter. Um, Ender and a couple of others also, uh, they named Emanson as, as their most valuable acquisition. But yeah, you can't fault Prisparkas yes. either for, for a rookie. Um, well, I think the thing with Prisparkas too is she's such an exciting player. So it's, it's mm. you know, it's hard to ignore the impact. I think I think Emanson probably has a more consistent um, impact all over, the, all over the game, but it's not the kind of impact that, you know, Prisparkas has where it's really kind of, you know, I guess from a you know from the peanut gallery, you really sort of stand up and take notice of the kind of things Prisparkas does. But as we've talked about with Emerson all throughout the season, she's just a um a flawless professional, just absolutely faultless at the at the fundamentals and understanding of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so from players, then let's have a look at what we want to see next season. Um. So obviously, you know, we we've we saw a huge improvement in terms of effort and pressure and all of those things. And and on the podcast, we've talked about that being like that's step one of of any team's plan to get competitive. You have to be able to make yourself hard to break down. You've got to make yourself um, difficult to play against. You know, you can't be a revolving door of scores down the defensive end. So so that's phase one complete. We, we got that. We got increased pressure. Uh, the, the defense w- was good uh, when it got support from the midfield. Um, you know, I think the only times the defense was really exposed was when the midfield maybe got outworked or outpositioned uh, and the defense was left more exposed. Um, so what's the next thing? What do you want to see next year? Is it a, a particular type of player you want to see drafted? 
Is it a particular, you know, style addition? Is it someone, you know, back in the team? What is it? Um, Johnny, you go first. What do you want to see uh, in next season for the Cats? Oh, tough one because there's lots of things you'd like to see, but I'm going to say just the, um, I've talked about it a lot, and that's tidying up the kicks inside 50 and um, converting our chances a bit more next season because um, there's still, like, as we're saying throughout the year, the link up from defence to midfielders has been exceptional. Like, it's been really good. And I think the next link, which they should be should work on, is just that delivery inside 50, a bit more direct, a bit more purposeful. Because we're still seeing all of those long bombs, hoping that um, Williams, Shear, Monty and all that will take exceptional marks. I'd just like to see the, as, as they say in the, in the game, um, lower the eyes mm-hmm. and really do a pinpoint pass. So I think that would work. That's one I'd like to see a lot of improvement is just lowering those eyes, being a bit more direct going inside 50 mm-hmm. and then converting the chances that they get a bit more. Yeah. What about you, Sam? One thing you'd like to see going into next season? Um, I all, Well, I had two things and I thought John okay. might have picked one of them and I talked about the other, but then John talked about something that's bang in the middle of mine. So I'll okay. just mention both of mine anyway, because these this is all now me and John's three things in total is one big thing, really. <laughs> so the yeah. first thing is I hope someone out there is playing a drinking game for every time Sam says structure. Because yeah. the first thing that I, I'd like to see is structure off the ball, uh, especially ahead of the ball. I think we're our, um, our overlapping and our, our sliding doors to cover defensively, mm-hmm. um, to cover the turnover. I think that was uh, vastly improved by the end of the season. Um, so I think our, our defensive movement off the ball is, is getting, getting up to snuff. But beyond that, ahead of the ball, you know, we're doing the running, we're doing the hard tackling, we're, we're hitting the players. Um, but if it's not your job in the moment to do that, the, it's not, I was going to say thinking about where you've got to be next is, is important. I'm sure they are thinking about it. I'm sure they are. So I'm, I'm, I don't think this is a player thing. I think this is a, this is just a time thing and a coaching thing that they've got to know where to be. You can't be thinking about it in the moment. It's got to be to the point where it's like, um, it's it's instinctive you know you're 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 soaking up what's happening around you and and those those sort of stimuli are are creating an instantaneous response of where you should be who what place you you should be going to what space you're trying to fill um who you're trying to help out so i think that's the big one and then that leads straight into john's delivery inside 50 and then that ends up at a real dominant forward target is the other thing I'd like to see, um, which is just that player that, you know, <laughs> they're going to look for every time. That's either going to take the marks and kick the goals or it's going to create space for the other forwards. That We talked about that in the in the aftermath of the Giants game of like, that mm. that's the blueprint for your forward line. You have to have a Cora Staunton. Like yeah. that's, that's um, you know, or, or at least that, type of player who can make things happen in the in the air on the ground um bring other players into the game i think as we said phoebe mcwilliams is an awesome like lead up marking player um and but i think chloe Shear um is the one who i would be i would probably be looking at 
Um, it, it all depends for me on sure. where, where Barber ends up working out. My thing with Shear is that I feel like Shear off the deck, um, you know, and, and that sort of thing, and in terms of tackle pressure, can probably bring something um, that maybe Barber can't quite. I mean, Shear is so strong in that, mm. you know, ability to kick on the run as well, like like your chorus Dawn. I, I would love to see the forward line really structured around Shear um, next season, um, which I think will allow space for other players. So I'm there with you, Sam. Um, structure and, 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 and that real key forward. But massive congrats too to Phoebe McWilliams who kicked 10 goals. First Cats AFLW player to clear double figures. And I'll tell you what, Chloe Shear got real close as well. I think Chloe Shear had eight for the season um, and, and missed a few games as well. So big effort there. Uh, from the former Adelaide Crow. Uh, all right. Absolutely. Uh, so what? What I've got to look at one thing I'd like to see next offseason. Um, I would like to see so, uh, like some more of these young cats just get the game time. I would like to see players like Laura Gardner, you know, and maybe this is stuff within their control, you know, work their way into the side on a consistent basis. As we said, Laura Gardner um, had like, you know, top six or seven average fantasy points for us in the games that Laura Gardner played. Um, racked up plenty of disposals in her five appearances. Always brings pressure. Zali Friswell want to see her in the side. Um, so that's, that's what I guess I'd like to see. Gabby Featherston, another one. I think we've got a sort of you know, persist at putting some of these young cats through their paces. But actually, you know what? It's the ruck. I want to see Liv Fuller or Reen Karras, or if they decide that they want to bring someone in, you know, through the draft or trade or whatever. Um, I think Darby's too useful as a player sort of around the ground. You know, she can sort of pinch hit in a few spots. I, I would love to see the cats someone put their hand up as that number one ruck. And I understand it's a skill set that takes a while to develop. So maybe Fuller or Karras will, will develop into that player. But that's what I want to see because there were a lot of times this season where we've beaten, you know, 35 to 15 in the hit outs or whatever. And although it doesn't kill you every time, it eventually uh, wears you down to the point where that's just too many opportunities to give another team's midfield. Um, and and I thought you saw yes. that with the Giants. The Giants had, you know, absolute behemoth in the ruck and just the clearances and that that they were getting from that was was pretty unstoppable. So that's what I'll say. And uh, someone to put their hand up as as the number one clear and established ruck. All righty then. Now you chaps wanted to have a look at the fantasy competition and and how my how my team because we did the redraft midway yes. through the season. And you wanted to see how did the redraft affect the points that I would have scored versus the points that I ended up scoring. Um, so I can yes, I mean this was this points, baby. This was originally proposed because John and I just assumed that after the redraft we would just just streak away and leave leave you in the dust, and yeah. then we'd we'd give you this segment at the end of the year to look back and you know have a bit of, <laughs> have, have a, bit, a bit of a bit of a chance to to you know at least pat yourself on the back for how you could have done. Uh, as it was, that wasn't the case. So <laughs> let's just look at how much how 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 much differently you would have won 
<laughs> well, if you, the, what, okay. if, what do you, what do you have if you won the last round? If we oh, get into the redraft, oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, uh, well, the interesting thing is the redraft definitely helped me. Um, oh, oh. Well, I, it was in well, the. It was in the re well, <laughs> I would have scored now. Here you go. So most of my players stayed the same. So I, I shouldn't say it would have helped it, that it helped me in the sense that I lost Becky Webster, who went on and scored 340 points, was the second highest scorer in the comp. Still had Amy McDonald. Um, I lost Meg McDonald um, in, the, in that draft, in the redraft. So yeah. In the week of the redraft, I lost Annabelle Johnson to injury as well. So I actually would have scored, if I had stuck with my original squad, I would have scored 1,169 points, which is about 100 points less than I eventually scored because I was able to add Maddie McMahon into my defense, who scored an extra 50-odd points um, as a defender, and I was able to add um, Nina Morrison as well so so nina morrison came into the side um so it was a bit of a shuffle i would have scored less points but then again it's hard to judge because i would have replaced annabelle johnson with somebody um you know so so in my lineup there i've got annabelle johnson would have only scored 80 points for the season but the reality is i would have subbed someone in um and maddie mcmahon actually came in as a free agent she didn't have a team when i picked her up out of the pool so mm. Um, yeah, it didn't, it didn't make a huge amount of difference, um, cause I had some injuries to face. So it was sort of much of a muchness in the end. Um, but yeah, so they, they certainly go. interesting. Some, some kind of dark magic you've cast in, in terms of you lost Meg McDonald right about when Meg McDonald's input kind of went down a little bit. And then you got Morrison just when Morrison really fucking hit hit her stride and started having major impact. That's why I suggested the redraft. You know, I just I just yeah. thought it's about to happen. You could sense it coming. Yeah. Um, for anyone who does want to know, the the highest five point scorers in the competition were Amy McDonald with three hundred eighty two points, uh, Becky Webster with three hundred and forty points, Georgie Prasparkas with two eighty one, Nina Morrison two eighteen, Maddie McMahon two hundred and twelve. Those were your top five. Phoebe McWilliams was the top scoring forward with two hundred and seven, only just ahead of players like Chloe Shear. All right, that's the review done, but we've got a very important nice. task to get to. One more task, and that is the wheel of grades. So we started this project last season with the AFL men's. We're, like, we're going to go through and every cat who pulled on the hoops, um, we're going to give them a grade, um, a letter grade from F to A+. And by the end of that, we'll have an average grade of the squad. And we'll be able to tell you, well, from where we saw it, the cats had a you know, a B plus or an A minus season or, or, or whatever you like it. Now, it's important to give people the context that the grade is against our expectation for the player. It's not, you know, we're not grading, uh, you know, Darcy Maloney as a, you know, as a Ford or something, you know, we're not grading Olivia Barber against an Aaron Phillips of the Adelaide Crows. It's like, okay, so this is how Olivia Barber's season went. 
this is what we expected it to be. So where on our grade scale does that fall? So it's it's very yes. much cats <clears throat> against the expectations we had for them. Olivia yes. Barber's B plus would be different to Rachel Kern's B plus because yes. it's not it's not it's not comparing their grades to each other. Exactly, it's just what our expectation versus the reality. So um, that's what we're going to do now. This segment you'll be able to watch it as a video every Wednesday. Wheel of grades, Wheel of grades Wednesday on our YouTube channel. Um, so we're going to go through. We'll do it. I think we'll do two each. That's what we've got about twenty. I think we've got twenty six players to go through. Um, so that'll take us about four weeks. Four segments, nice. this one, and then three more. Um, so we'll do two each. We'll spin the wheel. Um, Sambo, you are up first. Let's spin the wheel. Oh, yeah. We got a we got a wheel spin here. Kate, come on, Kate. Definitely straight at the gate. Yeah. You said the you said YouTube. You said video content, and everything is full. full. That's right. There we go. And it is Chantel Emanson. Well, nice. there we go. It's a quick one. Um, <laughs> Chantel Emanson. I, I think it's an A. I think it's an A. I don't. I don't see the need for a lot more out of Emanson. Uh, I think she's playing it about at her peak. Um, I think a second year we'll see a slight, just a slight jump up as she, you know, just, just eases into the side, um, gets more comfortable with the with the players players around her and 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 her role in it. So I think there'll be, you know, there's still potential for an A plus, mm-hmm. but um, I don't, yeah, I don't think you can ask much more than just a, a slight improvement next next year. I think just a, uh, yeah, absolute absolute pro, um. Silky touch of the football, great vision, uh, lays some really hard tackles on top of it. Yeah, I, I couldn't ask much more from Emerson. Nice. I like it. So an A for Chantal Emerson. Hell of a season for her after being brought over in that trade with Olivia Purcell. As we've said numerous times, something of an afterthought in the trade. It was like, oh, we've got draft picks. We've yeah. got this. Oh, we've got a player called Chantal Emerson. Ends up being in the leadership group, having a sterling season, and an A on Sam's wheel of grades. All right, Johnny. Fantastic. Are next. You know, Kate's scream of exertion sounds very similar to Colin's scream of exertion. Just about to say, we don't have Colin locked up somewhere just (laughs) for this segment, do we? Kate's taken Colin hostage and just making him spin the wheel. Um, Johnny, your first one is a player who ended up on your team um, by Ooh. the end of the season. Madeline Kerrick. Ah, yeah. Kerrick. Mm-hmm. Maddie well, Kerrick, um, the, the defender. The defender. I'll give her, I'm going to give Kerrick a B. Yeah. Um, a fairly solid season, uh, but I, I do believe there's a lot, a lot more improvement in her to come, and she's definitely built a nice base mm-hmm. uh, around herself, but... I reckon she's still got a lot of room for improvement. She's playing in a fairly solid defence, so there's only upwards to go. You know, she's playing with the likes of McDonald and Anderson in the back line, so with them two around her, (laughs) McMahon as well. So, yeah, I'll give her a B, but 
there's a whole lot of room for her to improve and I reckon she can get up to that A next year, hopefully, which would be fantastic to see. Yeah, and, and a player who probably had, uh, I'm just trying to think a bit, I remember putting her high on my list. She was in contention for votes very much early in the season, but um, not so much perhaps later in, in the year. Yeah. Um, so, and, you know, you never know, like with Prisparkas, you know, whose form dropped, had a dip in form and was playing through an injury. So you'd never know, too, what players are dealing with. Um, so no. that could also explain a bit of a dip in form there. All right, time for me to spin the wheel. <laughs> Gabby Featherston. All right, Gabby Featherston. Featherston was a player, I, I think I said I had a smoky feeling of like, get some stonks in Gabby Featherston. Um, before the season, my feelings haven't changed. Now I thought had a lot of game time, seven games this season, but was playing predominantly as an interchange player and then coming on in the back line. I am going to give Gabby Featherston. Oh, this is a tough one. It's a tough one. I'm going to give her a B minus. Now, I think the range of possibilities for, for Featherston really this year was somewhere in that C-plus to B-plus range. I mean, maybe getting to A-minus um, if I'd really thought about it. But I, I think... Did I say B-minus? Did I say B-minus? Was you that said B-minus. B-minus. And I don't want to sound harsh either. So a lot of game time and coming off the bench in a lot of those games. Tough, I think playing down back amongst so many stars to get your hands on the footy, but also tough to find the pace of the game when you're coming in as a rookie off the bench sort of thing. Like that's a, that's a tough thing to do when you're not getting solid game minutes. Like Annabelle Johnson had a lot of game time where, where she was starting um, and was able to find, find the speed of the game. I, I think Featherston coming off the bench, that was harder but I thought you saw flashes of what we liked about Featherston coming out of the draft. Um, the ability to find space in traffic, to dodge and weave, a beautiful raking kick um, on her, some beautiful marks as well. So not a lot of disposals, but but you know comparative disposals to marks. Took a lot of marks, um, made a lot of sort of eye-catching plays in flashes, and a little bit like what you're saying with, with Carrick, Johnny, um, but perhaps even more so with Featherston, I think there's just like an unbelievably high ceiling um, for Featherston uh, in future seasons. But just based on this year, um, I, I guess I thought maybe sh she could be established a little more in the side um, than maybe she ended up. But I'm going to say just, a, I'm going to give a B minus to Featherston and I would still be loading up on Gabby Featherston stonks because um, I think it's a stonk that will rise. That's my thoughts on that one. Absolutely. Uh, I, I concur. All right. Uh, back to Sambo. Concur, and I do. Spin the wheel. Ah, <laughs> uh, the wheel has landed. One of Sambo's favorites. Georgie Rankin. Georgie Rankin. 
probably probably an A. I think I think very mm-hmm. similar to to Emanson. Like I think I wouldn't want to would put a ceiling on her and say she can't improve. More, <laughs> you know, if she puts her mind to it. But I think, um, yeah, I think she she does what she do. Mm. Um, and I I think it was a it was a it was a really solid solid season. Um, she's not necessarily a player to always you know um do absolutely spectacular headline making stuff mm. um but she's she's just very consistent pretty pretty good disposal um of the football i think good a good tackle um uh and the, but the her, her best attributes i think are probably her, her vision her vision for the game beyond just get the ball kick the ball um she's one of the players that's always hovering around the pack talking point pointing you know communicating with the team um and that leads into her other great strength which is her, her leadership you know i think she's um she's part of that leadership group now and i think she she brings a lot more to the game than maybe her stats sheet would reflect uh i think she's a she's a really vital part of that unit vital to the culture the culture um <laughs> and, and and yeah i i i, I think she's just a really really dependable player that doesn't really put too many feet wrong Mm. um so yeah i think sure she can she can improve but i i I think for for georgie rangan for where she's at and what i expect from her i think she she delivered almost everything i could ask for so another a so i'm looking really really positive at the moment on the (laughs) board all right but i've got two two such just like consistent dependable players both mine out the gate (laughs) that's true uh, all right, Johnny. Your turn. <laughs> you have, you have mail. You have mail. Uh, no, you don't have mail, John. You have, no. <laughs> you have. Megatron. Megatron. Ah, Megatron. Megatron, the old captain, the old skipper, the old skipper. It's a tough one, Mm. but I'm going to give her an A. Yes. Um, it's fairly very consistent year for Megatron. Mm -hmm. Again, um, she didn't really have to shoulder a whole lot, but when she did do her stuff, she did it exceptionally well, as she always does. And I thought her leadership definitely took another step this year because he was able to be that more of that that leader instead of that last defender the last bullock in front of goals now that she's got like Carrick coming along Featherstone Nookman and Amundsen to help out so I reckon yeah a nice solid A for Megatron um very dependable as always takes great marks spoils always tries to absolutely hard out every single game and yeah it was just an, it was good to see her we have to take that bit more of that um backstage mm. um, approach to it not always be the one taking on the best attacker of the opposition but able to come in as that third person up and take good marks spoils and just mm. use it exceptionally as she does outside of from defence into the midfield. So, yeah, I'm going to give her an A because it's just good to see her be able to be a captain and not um, the last defender from the line 
as um, she was last year. Awesome. And for anyone, anyone keeping keeping track, the uh, the Megatron sound drop tally finished the year at sixteen, which I'll be honest is a little disappointing. I think yeah. we got to about eleven in the first two two episodes after deciding to keep track. Uh, and then, and then we, we really dropped off. I, I yeah, I, I think we, we wouldn't always use the, 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 uh, the sound drop. So to start with, I think any time we mentioned her, mm. we were using the sound drop. Um, I got a bit lax there. And we were a bit lax. We would, we would throw some Megatrons around without some sound drops, uh, which is, which is, you know, poor form on our, on our behalf. Oh, there you go. We're at 17. We're pump, <laughs> pumping up those numbers. We are. <laughs> just, just to keep everyone, well, there's still time for more. But it looks like the season will will end around about the 17. 17 so. mark for Megatron. Absolutely. Megatron. 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 Oh, <laughs> it's a late oh, rush. Oh, hang on. It's a late rush. <laughs> hang on. The Wait, the, the 20 is still in sight. That's right. We've Megatron. we've we've still got <laughs> we've still got more episodes to go too. More Wheel of Grades. So you don't know. Yeah, it comes we're, up we're, in we're, passing we're, conversation. Yeah, we're probably not going to do another Wheel of Grade for Megatron because we just <laughs> just it, did it though. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> we'll have to just find ways to to weave back the conversation. So Megatron. Megatron. <laughs> um. All right. So <laughs> that, we're up to a final one here. The final uh, wheel of grades, spin the wheel. Not the final player. Not the, the final, final one this episode. countdown. Uh, yes. <laughs> if uh, we can get the uh, spin of the wheel. Um, that'd Come be, on, Kate. That'd be great. Kate's, Kate's. Saying on, that this, just this give Colin a Good, good lord. Kate's doing her stretches, getting ready to spin this giant 85 ton wheel. Right. There, we go. there we go. I mean, fair play to Kate, um, you know, coming back after a killer St. Paddy's Day hangover. I mean, it's a week on and the, the effect's still reverberating um, for, for our I producer. mean, poss possibly we shouldn't have spent 95% of our budget on a solid gold wheel, but, you know... <laughs> Sometimes you just gotta spoil yourself, yeah. don't you? Don't right. don't hate the player, hate the game. You know, I mean, this is we're in the we're in the we're in the podcasting business here. Yeah, That's we clearly right. need a big visual golden wheel that no one can see. That's right. Um, Laura Gardner. Laura Gardner, interesting one here for me. Um, I'm going to give Laura Gardner a B. Um, so. The reason being, I really, before the season, was convinced that Laura Gardner was going to be able to establish herself into the team this year. Um, now, played five games of the 10, so played 50% of the games. I think she started the year for, from memory um, in the team, then was dropped out and then came back late in the year and sort of finished out the season, which was a similar story to last season. I still have, I, I hold onto a lot of Laura Gardner stonk. I bought up early. I bought up hard. Uh, I have a big, big bag full of Laura Gardner stonk. So don't let the bee fool you. I think she showed uh, what she's capable of in those five games. I just want to see that from the start next season 
you know, assuming there's no list change, you know, there's obviously an expansion draft coming. So I'm assuming Laura Gardner is going to be a cat in the next 2022 season. Um, I just want to see what we saw in the last four games of her season in the first four games of this season. Um, because I, I'm a big Laura Gardner fan. As I said, bought up the stonks. I'm, I'm on the Laura Gardner corner. Um, but I just would have liked to see her established into the, into the side this season. Um, obviously, it's a hard team to crack into. I'll, I'll give that, you know, as, as a midfield player with, with those around you. But there are spots on the fringes of that midfield, I think, where you can find the consistent playing time. Um, so, so that's, that's what I'd like to see next year. Just established in the side, that would get me a big tick. Um, so we've got to recap, Sambo gave Chantel Emanson an A and Georgie Rankin an A, an A day for Sam. Johnny went A for Meg McDonald, uh, and a B for Maddie Kerrick. Uh, I'm going to look like a real negative Nancy, even though I'm not trying to. A negative Ned. Um, I gave Laura Gardner a B and Gabby Featherston a B minus. So overall, the grade for these players that we've graded today, these six averages out at a B plus, just slightly above a B plus, B plus trending towards an A minus. So that's pretty, pretty decent going, I think. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how how I, I I my my wager right now would be that this side ends up somewhere between a B plus and an A minus. I don't know I that we'll get that. fully to an A or not, but I think we won't go any lower than a. It's not going to be any lower than a B. That would be my guess. Uh, yeah, I I think that's that's fair. And I don't think your negative Jake has just got to do with the players. Like I said, I got. I got two players that are not only good, but just good in a way that like, I think they're, they're playing at their full potential, you know? Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm looking real positive, but you know, I agree with, I agree with all, all your decisions, all Excellent. of your grades. <laughs> in fact, m but maybe I don't think we'd use it, but maybe we should have, when we do these wheel of grades in the future, maybe we should each have an overturn. Just one mm. that we can use where someone gives someone a grade and you, you, just think it's so incorrect, so far Egregious. from when you feel like they're they're at that you you can jump in and and slap them across the face with a glove, and and challenge <laughs> challenge their grade. Um, like I said, too. I really don't think we'd use it, but maybe we should add it in just in just you, just to spice things up. Are you saying maybe you, that will tempt us to give someone a really bad grade to see if the others will jump exactly. up? Exactly. Just test. Hang on. Just see what happens. Are you saying that that person might be referred to as a renegade? Oh, oh, look at oh. that. <laughs> All right. Um, that's it for, for this uh, Wheel of Grades segment. Um, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. A reminder, Thank you. you can hit the listen. subscribe and hit the bell. Hit the that's bell right. and all that stuff. And follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Watch and subscribe on the YouTube. Listen on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and elsewhere. We are the Chap Chat Cats. We go 52 weeks a year. Women's and men's footy. Cats year-round. Audio Multiple show. Multiple episodes a week. That's right. Audio show recaps at the end of your Monday night, late Monday night slash Tuesday morning, depending where you are in the world. Live video pre-game um, uh, preview. That's right. Every game. game. Right before, game. taking you right up to the bounce absolutely
as it's usual. Friday. That's right. We'll be back for the Swans. The Swans game. Um, and is all the Swans still there? Is the... Fucking <laughs> 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 so many Swans. Uh, not these. What did this swan look like? Well, it was white and had a slender neck and like a, a swan. How many swan quotes can we get from Reeves? So Sam went in Bruges with the swan. Johnny went hot fuzz. Any other significant swan quotes? Uh, what's the what's the um, Adam Sandler one where he's like, stop looking at me, swan? What's that one? <laughs> I don't know. But that's, that that's another like, one. Uh, Billy McGuire. Uh, not Billy. Billy, uh, Billy Madison, Madison or Billy Madison or or Happy um, Gilmore maybe Happy Gilmore. yeah well uh, we got three any more swans I'm trying I can't think of a direct quote but I'm thinking of the Black Swan yeah. movie that'd be the whole four. thing whole thing yeah, whole, whole thing just a quote a, you just need Vincent Cassell going the Black Swan That's about right, something and there's a quote <laughs> <laughs> yes that's um, it yeah that's all of them four that's there's yep. only four swan quotes in all of film uh we shouldn't <laughs> be pumping up the swans anyway no. we should be pumping up the, cats. Talking about the swans that's right when are the, the chaps chat swans or the no. slackers slag swans <laughs> we are we are the slackers <laughs> slag swans <laughs> go cats. Our, our side podcast go cats go cats